Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. We are in the middle of our sermon series on the book of Matthew. This week we are going to look at a passage where Jesus talks about what it means to be a Christian. He says, you are to be salt and light. And so we're going to be unpacking what that means. And so to help me do that, I've got Ruth Nazanin here. Ruth is on our staff. And Ruth, if you don't know her, she holds so much together on our staff. She works not only with junior high and high school, but she also is a director of our college crew, our college ministry, and also uh, is heavily involved in our young professionals. So this whole span of age groups, Ruth is here to talk about a little bit what it means to be salt and light. She preached at our Saratoga campus on Father's Day, and she shared a story about her own father, who she lost when she was 10 years old. He, he passed away, and what her father taught her about what it means to be salt and light. So we're here to dig in with that. It's a super emotional conversation, really beautiful one, and uh, so let's just dive right in. Chewing gum, can you hear it? Yes. Oh man. Here. I'm sorry. It's all right. Here, just throw it in there. What? What are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. No, that's all right. You're doing a podcast and you bring gum. That's good. That's smart. <laughs> it's a very, very uh, effective thing. Okay. Here, just give that to Trent. He'll throw no, it away for it's you. My no. gum. You know what? No, he's one of our high school interns. He'll just yeah. throw away the gum. That's what Trent does. Here, just. Give I'm him. sorry, Trent. <laughs> Don't tell your dad. I don't <laughs> and your sisters. They'll like yeah, bully me yeah, or something. Yeah. Just throw that away. Thanks, Trent. Thanks. All right. I'm kidding. Uh, all right. Well, so just to introduce yourself to yes. the folks, because this is not your first time on the podcast, but it is uh, the first time in, in, a, in a little while that you've been on. Yeah. I feel like I'm officially on the podcast. You are officially. You are our special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself um, to the folks, the good folks out there. Yes. I am Ruth Nazanin. It's a Persian last name. Oh, very nice. Nazanin actually means beautiful. And it's like not even my real last name. But long story short, my grandma was traveling with her two little twin boys. And the soldier at like the front of the border between Iraq and Iran, um, she gave her own last name, like her original last name. And it's like, oh, no, that's like too cultural. You're beautiful. You're young. Here's Nazanin as your last name. This is your grandmother. This is my great grandmother. Great grandmother. My great grandmother. And so there you go. Wow. I still don't know what my actual last name is, but here we are. <laughs> well, well, we'll take that one for now. <laughs> now, you are in charge of a lot around here. Mm-hmm. You do a ton. You have, you're, you're in like seven different departments because you're, you're just so valuable. But, uh, when you describe your job to people, because yeah. you you work with the youth in the high school, I do. You work with our college crew. You're the the leader of that. Yes. Um, and there's other stuff as well. So how do you how would you describe? Yeah, I would describe it as I'm just kind of a bridge between those ministries. Yeah. So I help lead our student ministries at Saratoga campus, our junior high and high school, and then bridging that gap to our college students from ages 18 to 21 and help um, just disciple them, come alongside them as they make that transition into young professionals. Which you're also involved in. (laughs) Well, I am a young professional, so I see myself in that group. And then um, just being able to see really God work through these young people has just been so cool. And being able to be be one of the bridges that can fill in those gaps is just super fun. Very cool. Yeah. So 
as we get into this week's message, this week um, we talked about this pa- this passage mm-hmm. from uh, Matthew, where Jesus says, "Be salt, and then to be light." Um, so we 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 talked about that, and it was it was pretty personal for you because it's on Father's Day, yeah. And for folks who don't know, um, or who maybe didn't hear the hear the message or hear your sermon, um, you kind of shared a lot about your personal story, mm-hmm. and it's one of the defining moments of your life. It's it's you lost your father when you were was it ten years old? I was ten years it old. Was ten. Yeah. So the, it's Father's Day. How was that delivering? A message, a sermon. Your dad was a pastor. Your dad was a preacher. That's yes. what he did. He delivered sermons. Now his daughter, years later, um, is delivering a sermon. How how was that for you as you were uh, undergoing that? Because that's I was I'm emotional. Just I was emotional just hearing you 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 share your content. You know, as you're mm-hmm. like, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Yeah. Uh, how was that for you? It was definitely so surreal. Just in preparation of it and. Um... Going through that experience was surreal, but it was like a full circle moment for me. Um, And every step of the way, I just kept thinking to myself, this is not a coincidence. Like this was not forced even from me. Because if I imagine my life 17 years ago when my dad passed away, I would have never thought for myself that I would be involved in ministry or, you know, let alone standing on a stage and and sharing the gospel with people. Um, So it was surreal, but in all of it, feeling extremely humbled yet grateful that like, you know, God brought me to this moment to be able to do what I got to do. Um, and kind of, you know, like just the human side of it, feeling like I was able to just honor my father in such a way that, again, I think that longing has always been there for me for the last 17 years, but being able to do it in a way that just happens so naturally and God ordained, um, was just super cool to be a part of. You know, one of the the passages that we looked at this week, you know, the 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 be salt and be light. Um, a lot of people when they hear salt, they think flavoring, right? <laughs> and yeah. that's and you we we talked about how that's actually not it in the ancient world, right? It was it was different. Yeah, I mean, you know, Father's Day, we're like kind of in the week of it. Um, you think of hamburgers and and, and cooking, and <laughs> for us, our family, we make kebabs on skewers on the barbecue, so. Salt is what holds the meat together, right? It's in the thick of it all. It gets in the griminess of things. And and at that time when Jesus was sharing these um, his the sermon and this part of his message, um, you know, salt was used to preserve and to be the block between death and life. Like rot between you know, life and rot. rot. Right, right exactly. yeah, totally. To things that would perish away, um, stand in the middle of it, you know? And so when I we're studying just salt and like, okay, it's not like sprinkling it on a hot dinner plate. It's just getting in the, the ugliness of it all. And, and things that may not look or feel or taste good, you, you bring it all together. And, um, there's a sense of you can't really be salt. You can't be a preservative unless you're on the thing. Correct. (laughs) Right. Within it it all. Yeah. Within it. So Mm -hmm. there's a sense of, because I think a lot of times, and this has been, this goes back centuries, Christians will say, Look, the world's evil, and I get it. The world is, you know, the world. So let's just withdraw, and let's be in our our enclave with ourselves, who are all these holy people, these nice people, and we'll just, you know, quietly abandon the world to, to this, to this, uh, to to rot. Let the world go to hell in a handbasket, and and we'll be over here. Thank you very much. That withdrawal, that mm-hmm. contempt, is understandable. I mean, the world is 
evil and sometimes people disappoint you and they do horrible things and they, you know, so I get it. But you're saying that that's actually the opposite of what Jesus is inviting his people yeah. to be. I mean, that's to do. like the upside down kingdom, right? Like it's just the complete opposite to ice, uh, to say no to this deception of it's us versus them. It's like, we're here and they're there and we'll acknowledge from here, but it's like, no, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's, let's tie our shoelaces and let's get to walking. Let's get to moving. Let's, you know, we'll speak more into what light does, but really, you know, go that distance to, um, to become a part of what is happening and what God wants us to be a part of. The beautiful thing about Jesus's ministry is that he was always around people and not people that grew up like him or lived like him or believed in what he believed in, but people that were in need of something and people who are in despair and anxiety and just, um, you know, all of those things, right? And he would meet them where they were at. And I truly believe just in these few verses um, that was God's intent or Jesus's intention in it is for us to sense that urgency that what we've been doing as Christians of stepping into church and, and going to life group and all those things that are good. Um, it's been great, but it's just that we're not like, we haven't been doing okay. We've been settling and we've been, um, stagnant for a little while. Yeah. I think about the, the call of Abraham, Yeah, uh, the very call of Abraham, you know, God, comes to him, which is astonishing, Mm -hmm. but then he invites him not just into relationship with him, but so that he might be a blessing. Yeah. And then there's this little phrase to all the nations. That's, that's the mission statement. That's God's mission is to reach all people. And Mm -hmm. there's a preserving element. Obviously Jesus (laughs) wants to prevent decay and rot. And that's what the world is. The decay, the world is decaying. The world can and will rot if, yeah. if God does not intervene. But he sends, you know, him. he comes and says, Abraham, I want you to be a blessing to all the nations. And even, and we, we talked about this a little bit, just in the, mar- you and I marveling kind of privately, yeah. that the Pentateuch, as a, as the way it's even orchestrated, um, it's like a mountain. Mm-hmm. The five books right in the middle of those, there's the same number of verses before and after this moment of the Day of Atonement and Leviticus 16. And God leads the people, comes to the people, finds the people, gets them out of slavery, leads them up the mountain, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they can now, and then Moses can't meet with God, so we're done. Like, uh-oh, well, I guess nobody can meet with God, right? Mm-hmm. If Moses can't meet with God, then we're all done. The Day of Atonement comes, no, there is a way, actually. There is a way. The blood, the blood of the goats, there's forgiveness, there's cleansing, and then they are invited to go out and then they go out to the nations because God's really, really keen on all the nations knowing who he is. Right. Um, even in the Old Testament, this is the mission of God. This is what he wants us to do. And, and sometimes Christians, they have you seen Christians like like not understand that mission? Or I think, you know, we understand half the mission at times, right? So we, we, we accept the affirmation that God has for us, which is that we, he wants to bless us and he wants to partner with us. Right. And we accept Jesus and we say yes to him and we become forgiven and restored and renewed that entire process. But then the movement that, um, God calls the Israelites to, and then we see it again with Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount in the New Testament, the, the thicket of the thick of it all we don't step into, which is coming down our mountaintop moments that we have with God, the tasting and the seeing that He is good to us, we stay there. 
and we get really comfortable. And then we don't come down the mountain and extend that mission call to others. And then, you know, we become kind of paralyzed in the fact that I'm so caught up in my own story. I'm so caught up with God has already done in me that I'm not or I'm not willing to be aware of what he can now do through me in and through me to reach others that have yet to see and taste the goodness of God. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Now, you also work with a lot of young people. Yeah. So um, you have your finger on a pulse. Like I have two young people in my household. Um, so I know two young people really well and a couple of their friends. But you see a lot of young people. They come through your office. You see them on weekends. Like what kinds of things are you seeing in terms of, of that? Um, yeah. th- that kind of, when you think about these verses and you think about who you serve with young people, junior hires, high schoolers, college students, mm-hmm. young professionals. So this like 12 years old to 30 years. I mean, it's a big, yeah, it's a wide gap. What are you seeing? Like, what kind of things are you seeing in terms of the need for Christians to be preserving agents to, Mm -hmm. to, to what kinds of things are rotting? What kinds of things are you seeing being preserved and what kind of needs do you see? Yeah, I think it's so interesting. I see that clearly the desire is there. I meet with, uh, specifically like with college students do a lot of mentoring. And when I ask, what is it that you want to do? It's always, well, I, you know, I want to make friends and I want to, and basically, you know, what they're saying unknowingly is like, I want to get into the thick of it. I want to come down my moment, but I don't know how, like, give me some practical things to do. And, you know, living in the Silicon Valley and being in the tech industry and all of that, like, it's all the practical, the logistical, give me the formula. And Jesus, in a really creative way with these metaphors, is already giving us the formula of the salt of the earth and the light of the world and how that could look like. And within our younger folks, the longing is there. It's just they feel stuck in the fact that, what do I have to offer, though? You know, when I even look into my personal life, and this is what I I feel like I'm a broken record when I meet with my students and with these young folks of, like, just sharing my personal story. And that's all we do have is the story that God has written and is continuing to write. And I just sit there and I'm like, hey, buddy, like you have your story. What did God do in your life this last week? Oh, he did that. Okay, take that. And now go and meet with your homie and, you know, share about that goodness. Share about how you see, how you saw God work through that one encouragement that your leader spoke into your life this week. And it's as simple as that, but I know as just complex um, human beings, we want to overcomplicate things naturally. And the simplicity of it is that, you know, you have your story and I have mine. And, you know, what I shared on Sunday was just my story of my of my father and, and the life that he chose to live just by saying yes, just by saying yes to coming down that mountaintop moment of seeing how good God is and and tasting it and choosing to realize, okay, this is too good to hide and keep to myself. Yeah. And and that's all, that's all it is. The other part of this verse is uh, you're the light of the world. Yeah. A town or a city built on a hill can't be hidden. You don't take a light a lamp and put it under a bowl, um, hide it under a bushel. Mm. No. <laughs> uh, instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, light is this other metaphor. Uh, and I think about Jesus saying that he's the light of the world. John saying that he's the light of the world in the, in the opening pages of John's gospel. Jesus calling himself the light of the world. 
Um, there's a sense in which light is a metaphor all through the Bible of uh, God's not just revelation, but the opposite of darkness. Yeah. Humans are humans live in darkness without God, and God Himself is light. And so there's a sense of um, guiding. There's a sense of driving away darkness, um, which is again a metaphor for sin and death, life without God. But there's also a sense of um, that this is what God can bring into the world, and that also has an aspect of it. How do you how do you think of light when you think of young people? What does it mean that Jesus is light? What what so the preserving element, you know, as you just talked about, mm-hmm. um, uh, that that staves off rot and death, you know, leading to a life of flourishing in life. Uh, what does what does light? How how can young people bring light into this world? Do you see them as different or are they connected? Yeah, I mean, well, what light does, as we've talked in our conversations, it scatters darkness. So once light shines a room, it, it exposes everything and you don't have to search anymore. And with our students and even our young adults um, post like junior high and high school, there's this sense of I've got to keep searching for the next best thing. And when we're in darkness, when we're in a dark room, or you're just trying to look for the couch, you're trying to look for the wall, you're kind of fumbling around. Fumbling around. Yeah. And that's the opposite of when light is being shined into a room, you don't have to go searching anymore. You kind of see what you the next see, step you is. You see the yeah. next step. And uh, that's what it is when when we share Jesus with others, what he's been doing in our lives and and just how God works, they begin to minimize the search. They get to stop and see and get to see like, oh, like this is who God really is. And this is what he could be doing in my life in the way that he has created me to be. And, you know, summer camp is coming up um, next month in July, and our theme is In Search Of, and then you fill in the blank. You know, young folks, as well as just, you know, older people, adults, we're all looking for something. We've all tried to search for that feeling or that just fulfillment in the emptiness of our hearts. And Jesus in these scriptures saying, hey, you're called to be the light of the world for others to be reached so they can stop searching. Yeah, because they have now found me in you. I love that. It, there, I think that there's some sort of um, even scripturally, when I think about, it, there's a tie between light and truth. Yes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, there's a there's some some sort of tie between those. And I think about how much misinformation and bad ideas about reality yeah. are out there for young people, mm-hmm. and and there's a lot of money behind a lot of powerful entities. Yeah. that are perpetuating some really, really bad lies about what it means to live. And I think that the reality of Jesus is is tr- the light of Jesus, the truth of Jesus, is saying, here's what reality actually is. Um, I was putting my daughter to bed the other day, and uh, there was this moment where she was, you know, she's talking about her friends and how difficult it is. Yeah, And it's difficult being a young woman mm-hmm. um, in this world yeah, right now. And uh, somebody had said something, and I said, you know, J.L., um, I heard this thing. I want to share it with you. And I it, tell me if this makes sense. I said, it's not that you're messed up um, and you and your friends are super messed up in a, in a world that's, you know, normal hmm. and you're just trying to fit. The world is messed up and you're trying to be normal. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to be healthy and normal. You're trying to find God and the world is messed up. So there's always going to be that tension. Mm-hmm. But if you can see the reality that you're not messed up, that the world's messed up and you're trying to find your way through a messed up world, what it means, then 
that can make you feel okay. Yeah. Of course it's going to be difficult. Of course you're going to feel out of place because the, the whole culture is streaming this way. And she's like, wow, that, that really helps. You know, because otherwise you feel terrible. Like I'm a, I'm a failure. I messed up. I don't fit. Everything's not as it should. But when Jesus comes in and, and, and I've seen you do this so many times, it's not just about here's the lies that culture's told. You get real nitty gritty into the students' lives which is this, here's the lies that you believe. Yeah. Here's where you're not seeing yourself correctly. Yeah. And you've helped them. Uh, like that's That's got to be a, a huge part of it too. Not just the macro cultural, but the personal. Yeah, I mean, just giving the visual of that, uh, you know, we're like all Lego pieces and we're trying to force our piece into parts of this creation of a Lego set. That's just, we're, we're working with the wrong Lego set. This piece <laughs> is meant to, um, be a part of another set. And that's what we're being called to is to reach those isolated pieces that are scattered everywhere and to come and gather them. What does Jesus always say? Go after the one, if it's only the one, you know, my, my dad, his life where it led him, of course he reached many people, but in reality, um, I think out of all of them reaching his daughter, um, you know, just that one piece, right? And being now a part of this really cool, I'm, I'm now sticking to this visual of this Lego set, which is the church body, um, brings healing. And then that's when the restoration happens and feeling like a complete different person now knowing the truth that is actually spoken over who I'm, you know, becoming. Yeah. I think about the way that your dad brought light and truth into your life. You're talking about the one of the last images you have of your father. Yeah. And um, he had just had... Um, surgery mm-hmm. and it things were going well and they thought maybe he'd have six months yeah they he had surgery came home and the doctor said you know go home you have six months to live and we were at home and one of us had asked him hey dad what do you want to do and he was like, you know what take me to the father's house take me to church and we were it was like in the middle of the week and we're like okay he says let's go to church we're going to church um, so we jump in the car and we get to church and because he, went, he was in so much physical pain, it was so severe, we just slowly made our way from the car to the back of our chapel at the time. And we stood in the back as my dad kind of made his way to the middle aisle of our pews. And he took a few steps, but his pain was so bad that he had dropped to his knees. And so I stood there and we were just all watching. No one like got up, you know, got, went forward to grab him. He fell to his knees and then he just slowly laid face front and just crawled his way to the front of the chapel up until the stairs, the altar. And he began to pray and he began to worship. He also wrote worship songs and so he had a beautiful voice. So he began to sing in his weakness. And I saw this man who used to stand behind the pulpit, behind the stand and preach on Sundays. Um, be on a complete opposite side of things, but still the heart remained and and his spirit remained surrendered to God. And so even though he was shriveled up in his skin and um, he went on to be with, uh, went to be with Jesus three weeks after that. So we didn't even make it months. Wow, it was only three weeks. Three weeks later. um, But that last visual of him was me seeing my dad dedicate those good deeds, dedicate those good works and give glory to God in his prayer and his worship, knowing that this was all for something worth giving uh, 56 years of his life for. Man, 
defined reality. That's the light. But it was it was interesting. We're talking. What a, thanks for sharing that. By the way, yeah. that's just. Uh, I don't want to gloss over the amount of vulnerability it takes to kind of share those painful memories. Um, but what a beautiful memory! Like that's that's what your dad taught you. Yeah, that was your gift. Your dad's greatest gift to you would be to bring you to Jesus. And that's that's actually really beautiful and really inspirational, especially on Father's Day. Right. Isn't that the greatest gift a father yeah. could give his daughter? But it, it goes even further. We were talking, and, and I was thinking about like how uh, uh, light travels, and yes. it, it spans distances. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the, the sun um, is, what, 73 million miles away, and it takes eight and a half minutes for light from the sun to reach Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it travels... But that the the sunlight we're getting is eight and a half minutes old, right? Right. And you told this story about how even through the years, your your dad was still his light of his life was still not just the story of watching that moment, yeah. Nonetheless, but there was another moment just during COVID, mm-hmm. and this this was kind of a, a crazy thing, and it really felt providential, like God's like your like God's hand was in it. Yeah, it was like my little moment with my earthly father that I had of oh my gosh, I need a there's this urgency for me to come down my mountaintop moment with what I've tasted and seen of God. And it was in the middle of COVID. I was in Los Angeles where my mom lives. And, you know, we were going through our photo albums and our yearbooks. And I was going through all my yearbooks. And I came across my second grade one. And I was reading through all these notes my friends had left me, my teachers. Um, And then I noticed that my dad had written a note for me. I'm like, whose parent writes a note for their kid in their yearbook I've never you know I've never even imagined that so I sit there and I like prepare myself like Ruth I don't know what you're about to read but like you're gonna read something that dad you know your dad has written to you so I start reading it and he there's like no dear Ruth nothing he's just like goes straight to the point he had written um you did a great job wonderful I'm proud of you always you will make it God will protect you and keep you keep going with love and prayer, your dad. And I sat there 25 years old, two years ago, thinking, oh my gosh, he's so right. Like I'm only making it, like I'm only really living and, and doing this thing called life because God has kept me and he has protected me to this point. And that was a moment where, you know, I was still, I was working at Westgate even at that time. And I was thinking, I need to come down this mountain. And then that summer, in the middle of COVID, we launched College Crew. And I really felt like, okay, God is really nudging at me here. Like, hey, I've been with you the last 14 years of your dad not being physically here. Um, and I have fulfilled all your needs. And the, the Lord just was pouring into me as I'm sitting there in my mom's bedroom, like with my second grade yearbook open, like, oh gosh, like everything is coming together for me now. Like now it's all making sense. The stories that I would hear about my dad from others and and the life that he dedicated um, to the Lord as as he lived that out, it made sense. It wasn't about him. It was about God using him through every way possible. And I was like, I need to come down. I need to calm, like I need to calm down and come down my mountain and get into the thick of it because people need to see how good God is. People need to taste and know that he is for them and he sees them and he loves them. And that, that rocked my world two years ago. Man. Yeah. What, the, yeah, what a powerful 
And, and when you say come down the mountain, it's the same thing. Israel, you have right. to come down the mountain into the nations. Like your job is to go out and to tell a world that doesn't know about how good this God is. Because otherwise, think about all the gods that the ancient peoples worshipped mm-hmm. and how that shaped and formed them. Um, God's capricious. God doesn't care. God is distant. God is mean. God requires, he's going to take from you. Yeah. As opposed to the truth of, you see how dangerous those ideas are. And we all have them. We all have them, of right? Of course, yeah. Um, but, and they're all dysfunctions. But in the middle of that, look how Israel confronts those terrible, dark lies with the truth of who God actually is. God is here. God cares. He doesn't steal or take. He gives. He cleanses. He helps. Yeah, he comforts. Yeah, he comforts. All these yeah. amazing, uh, amazing realities of who, and that's why I think God is so jealous to have the reality of who he is into this world because otherwise we are we are lost we are we are in darkness and and we go after gods that are just a not just abysmal but horrific and yeah and out of all those other things that we tend to distract ourselves with or try and pursue out of all of that god is the only being that chooses to chase after us to come after us like willingly without any uh, undercover plan like it that's the truth of his character he is our heavenly father and we you know we read it at the end of this passage of that you know we do our good deeds we become salt of the earth we become light of the world for what so that people would see our good deeds and give glory to the father i think you were the one that said that this is the first time i think in the book of matthew that uh the matthew uses the word father to describe god yeah um, and I think that's just so, I might've said that, but I didn't just, I, I read that somewhere. You read it somewhere, yeah. <laughs> but I, I learned it from you. Yeah. Um, and I think there, there's a point to that. There's a, there's a reason why in the, in these scriptures we see that, okay, God is our father. And what does a father do? He loves sacrificial, sacrificially and willingly and, and goes after his children. And we are to live in that same way as salt and light is to go after those that have yet to experience the goodness and the truth of who God is, that he comforts and he loves and he restores the things that we thought at one time were just going to perish us away. Yeah. You know? So final question is, as we go from this, uh, again, you've got your hands in so many ministries. You're so busy. What are some examples that you've seen lately of people in the ministries that you serve or people that serve the people that you serve in those ministries of salt and light, what are some things that have been really inspiring that you've seen people say, I'm going to, I'm going to go down the mountain. I'm going to be salt. I'm going to preserve. I'm going to bring life, not death. I'm going to stave off death and I'm going to bring light. I'm going to be truth. I'm going to bring goodness. I'm going to scatter the darkness. What are some things that you've seen lately? Oh my goodness. Um, do we have like the rest of the week to talk about this? There's so (laughs) many. Um, well, honestly, as I'm sitting here and just looking at you, I think of your daughter, you know, JL, um, there are days where I would just kind of babysit, not babysit, just hang out with her um, on the weekends and seeing that little girl become this like young woman who is after sharing Jesus with her friends and being able to see uh, girls like her in our youth group um, bring their friends to to see what's happening, to see that, hey, what's happening here at this campus in this gym is different than what we're seeing when we're going to the mall or when we're going out um, to Chick-fil-A for dinner and 
there's things around us, but what we're experiencing here is different, right? And being a good friend means is a way of being salt and light. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's those deep relational connections that are so genuine and uh, and authentic. And I see that in our leaders that come in early morning on Sundays for setup and pre-service huddle ups and prayers and then see how just their energy and and their care for these students naturally exude out of them and you know we see our students come in it's early on a Sunday and they're like slumped over but by the time they leave you can see it in their eyes you can see it they that are pumped up they're pumped up they're yeah. encouraged and that they feel good about themselves yeah in a eternal way yeah you know and boy, those leaders, uh, they get there early. It's oh a Sunday. Goodness. They serve and they are such a pivotal part. Oh, and none of this happens without those awesome, amazing, relational, caring, sold out leaders. Yeah, and and it's, were, it's, I mean, and I'll, I'll just say this. They all have, have had their own stories that, you know, God encountered them at a kid's camp 20 years ago or um, God spoke to me at a young life, uh, you know, weekend away or whatever it is, they have their stories. And with just that, which is so impactful, they have been able to, um, to allow that ripple effect to happen with their students. And I have no doubt that as they, as our students go to their schools, that the same thing is happening. We're just, if we're, um, blessed enough, we'll see the fruits of it, but we're not in it just, to sit there and see the fruits. We're here to just be in the thick of it and to be able to preserve these beautiful lives. Well, yeah. let's give you a plug here. Okay, so if people listening have teenagers, yeah. students in junior high or high school, at, uh, let's talk about the Saratoga campus. What are the service times? Our service time is for our junior high and high school. We have a combination service for this summer at 9.30 a.m. And we meet in the gym on campus. Um, and we have social events happening um, Almost all, every week. All yeah. throughout the summer, yeah. And you also and got a camp coming up. We have summer camp. It's called ISO, so it stands for In Search Of, July 25th through the 29th. Every single day, we've got rec days. So um, much fun. So much fun. But also and, so much Jesus. Oh, a lot of it's Jesus. It's going to be amazing. A whole lot of Jesus. So sign up, so they can sign up right now for that. Yes, sign up. Links are up. Um, it's on our website, so westgatechurch.org. You can find the tab where it says students and connect with us. We'd let's do it. Have you. All right. And college crew. Let's for if you're listening and you're in college or a young professional, there's all sorts of go stuff going on. What tell me about yeah, college crew. College Make crew. We 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 meet every week on Monday nights at 5:30 at the Saratoga, Saratoga campus in the theater. Awesome. And it's just a time for us to dive deep into scripture and community and we also have a summer retreat coming up. Oh, cool. On August, is it August? Yeah, August 12th through the 14th. We're getting away to a beach house, and if you're 18 through 21, come and hang out with us. If you're in college, come hang out. We're having fun. Man. Well, Ruth, uh, just from a personal standpoint, anybody who uh, pours into my kids, I, I, I can't even uh, say how appreciative I am. Thanks for holding all the things down that you do. You do a ton for this church. I don't think people even know how much you hold things together. <laughs> Talk about salt and preservative. You, you have, you've done that, and um, it's just so awesome. Um, just to have you around just as a, as a, as a colleague. Um, but it's also really cool to see your, your speaking gift and the way that you present, uh, the gospel and the way you teach and the way that you preach. It's really cool. So we're all really, really, uh, we're all really grateful that you're here. So Thank thanks. You. Thanks for being that for us as well. So thanks a ton. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It's a privilege to be on this team and 
I'm just grateful to have people that are pouring into me as I grow and mature in my faith and I'm here for the ride. Great. Well, let's have you back on the pod uh, sooner rather than later. Yes, let's do it. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Just want to say thanks so much to Ruth for being with us. Ruth, thanks for stopping by. Join us next week when we continue on in our message. Uh, We talk what Jesus says about, you've heard it said, but I say to you, Jesus says all sorts of things about murder and adultery and divorce and lying and revenge. It's a really packed passage. So David Kim will be in the studio with me. We're going to have a conversation about all that stuff. So don't miss that because that's some juicy stuff. We'll see you next week.